<sighs> Are you ready, ladies and gentlemen? For the draftsman season da, da, da. finale. Here we da, are da, da, on a beautiful da. day, Wednesday. On, Wednesday. Here we are on a beautiful day, Wednesday. I have not seen a performance like this oh, on any previous episode. Day. This is next level draftsman. Jesus Christ! Get back to your seat. I'm so embarrassed. I am so embarrassed right now. That, you can always erase that. Yeah. No. But no, you can't. No, you can't erase that. You can't erase that. that. There's no going back from that. Yeah. That felt so much better in my head before it happened. Yeah. Yeah, well, it doesn't work until it works. Hi, Stan. What's up, Marshall? Are you ready for the finale? I'm ready for the final. The finale of the finale? The Part two, final slash part three, season part three. one draftsman podcast. I'm sorry to announce this is the last episode of season one. Of season one, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and we will be gone Well, for a long time. Three like, months. Yeah, three months. Three People months. can make it through. I think. I hope. Yeah. yeah. There's we'll lots see. of things going we'll on on Netflix. That. We'll see. Lots of things going on yeah, on Yeah, boy. And remember... We're making a separate Draftsman Show YouTube channel. That's right. Separating it from the Proco channel. Yeah. So go now and subscribe to that YouTube channel if you like to watch. If you like to listen, that doesn't yeah. matter. Yeah, get it out of the way now so that you can spend three <laughs> months getting close to the people that you've neglected for this. Yeah. And so that once we start publishing those episodes, you will get them in your feed. This is sort of like with the things about how to enhance your productivity is to plan a little bit ahead. <laughs> oh, yeah. This will make you way more productive yeah, yeah, well, in the I, long run. Yeah, I think so. Not during the hour you're listening. Okay. What are we going to talk about during this episode, this final We're episode? Gonna oh, right. We're going to continue responding to people's okay, yeah, responses. Yeah. I'm with you. All right. Well, we got through 12 episodes. Let's go to our magic boxes. At the end of every episode, we ask you a question. You guys respond to our questions, and now we will respond. All right. Which episode are we on? Number 13. Number? Number, <laughs> number 13, there's nothing. <laughs> the question was, should we dedicate entire episodes on a single book review? Nobody Wh told which us? Book? No, no, no. There were a lot. Oh. It's just, it was just a bunch of book titles. Okay. What are we going to say? If you want those all the books people recommended, go to that episode... YouTube. Wait, what was episode 13? 13 is uh, building art communities, picture clarity, and finding art mentors. Why was that the question? Because we, Oh, because I did I a, What's My now. Thing. Yeah. I reviewed That's right, Josh yeah. Waitskin's The Art of Learning. Art of Learning. Let's start with episode 14. Okay. How would you revise this list of habits? Are there any art habits I left out that you would include? Okay, this was a great episode, one of my favorites. This is where we went down the list of 23, 23 habits for success. I remember. And we did like a speed round for each yeah. one. That was super fun. Isn't it ironic that it's 23 habits of success and you guys are covering 23 episodes, 23 episodes? in this finale? Wow. Whoa. What is it with the number 23? Oh my God. I don't know. So we asked, how would you revise this list of habits and are there any art Basically, habits I left out? What ended up happening is people just 
gave us more habits that we didn't talk about. Okay. So, what do you want to do with this? I read all the comments and I made a list of all the common responses so that you don't have to. Stan made a list. I made a list. He checked it twice. <laughs> Here's what other things people suggested. Okay. Habits for success. Take breaks. Draw from imagination. Yes. This is a habit I wish I had developed the, and I didn't. Yeah. But this is one we have talked about. We have. More than once. And it's a and good people, one. People have also said talk more about it. Talk more about Yeah. People have said, I want to hear more about drawing from imagination. And I said in a previous episode, just a couple or three episodes ago, that we've talked about it. We have. Yeah. But if, for me to talk even more about it, I'd have to do more of it. Yeah, okay. Yeah, maybe we'll have a guest or something. When I teach draftsmanship, 90% of it is aimed at, at people who are going to use this to draw out of imagination. I think that that good balance, draw from imagination, draw from life, draw from imagination, draw from life. Because what you, drawing from life is important to develop that visual library to draw from imagination. And then drawing from imagination makes you more creative and and. and you know, you makes know you hungrier to learn more when you draw from observation. There you go. And we have covered that. Let us move right on to the third one. Try different mediums. Try different mediums. I like that. Play around, yeah. mess around. Like yeah. traveling. Get into get into another situation where it's little different rules here. Yeah, and it's kind of like cross training a little bit. You mm -hmm. might learn something from a medium that might not be your medium of choice, mm -hmm. but you'll learn something that you can apply to your medium of choice. We talked about that even from the very first Draftsman podcast. You did? Yes, it was attempting photorealism. And I think I might have injected in there that if you attempt photorealism, it's a photograph, and then you're trying to copy this with acrylics or oils or even graphite pencil. It helps you to know your medium, mm -hmm. a few different media. Imitating one medium with another can be a, 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 hey, this is something somebody brought up about line quality. Bento Zacharias says, I thought about working on my line quality many times, but there are also a lot of other things that I have to do. I wonder if it actually matters. Guys like Jim Lee, quote, look for their lines. Erase a lot, but when they find them, they do find them. Practicing line quality or drawing. Practicing line quality or painting. Practicing line quality or shading. Well, you get the point. Time is short, too short. I hope you talk about this one day during your podcast. Yeah, Jim Lee goes about finding a line quality by sculpting it until he finds it, which is very different than the traditional pen and ink artist who puts it down in a single stroke. But therein lies the different media, different skills. Some people do get their line quality by carefully stroking it until it's right. Other people want to get it in a single sweep. Mm -hmm. And that's why even to take a pen and ink piece, uh, the where it's done in single sweeps and to do it in slow motion or take one that was done in slow motion like what Jim Lee does where he, he sculpts and finds it and try to get him in some single strokes. Good exercise. It's yeah. a good point. Sculpting your lines. It's interesting. I'm yep. I'm actually working, I'm writing the line episodes right now for my basics course. Mm -hmm. And that is a good addition to it. Because at first it might be really hard for you to get it in one sweep. Thick to thin, the right shape the right length, the right pressure, whatever, all that stuff. And so sculpting it first, knowing what you want it to look like, even if you can't get it in one sweep, is good in the beginning. Yeah, and that's one That's one reason why I never practiced getting it in one sweep, is that I would just go in there and 
sculpt it until it was just what I wanted. Well, that's the, the downfall. If you don't start right. trying to practice it with one sweep, you might be that's stuck right. forever just sculpting it. Only do it one way. Yeah. Yeah. Next one is have fun. Yeah. We all got into this because we probably enjoyed it. We were having fun. Mm -hmm. And then you start getting serious and practicing and then the fun disappears. Mm -hmm. I think you always need to have projects for yourself that you enjoy, even if you're doing exercises and you're going through lessons that you know you need to do, but you're not enjoying them. Balance it out with things that you're enjoying. Some people are so strict with themselves and they, they have to get through all of this fundamentals mm -hmm. for many years before they can do anything else. Mm -hmm. Good balance. Yep. You're going to kill your love for it if you don't have fun. Use references. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Use references. I think the reason they put that is because there's a kind of a mentality online that it's like cheating to reuse. I think we actually yeah, we did. We talked about, about this. And it's like, no, come on. Just, yeah, use references. Yeah, references are, are not, research. Exactly. Have a doodle sketchbook where you can draw anything and you can make mistakes. You have one of those, right? All of, all of them are like Well, that. yeah, I, I started out that way and then they started to emerge as style. But I, uh -huh. the, the problem well, was cool. as a student and, and post-student, I tried keeping sketchbooks that failed because they were not sketchbooks. They were little show pieces. They were little portfolios. They were every page trying to make really good drawings because I'm going to show these to people. And so it defeated the purpose, which is to get in there and sketch and doodle and mess around and try things. And oh, I wouldn't dare to try anything that could fail. So it ended up being, they, in, I, several times that happened with me. It bogged down. I just gave up on it because it was like just trying to do a whole bunch of finished pieces. Hmm. I have several sketchbooks where I know it's just like, ah, this is not a great sketchbook. Mm -hmm. Scratch. It's a collection of scratch paper. For me. Yeah. I have several of those. Okay. I like it. Yeah. That's fun. That's the stuff where you're going to go out and play on the playground and nobody's going to take a video of you to showcase yeah. it. It's where I can explore my thoughts without the distraction of getting a good drawing. Mm -hmm. The next one is join drawing competitions and challenges. I used to do that a lot when I was trying to get my painting career going. Mm -hmm. I joined a lot of competitions mm -hmm. and those were great for networking. It's a good way to find motivation to get things yes. done. You got something to push against. Yeah. You betcha. It's like, oh man, that competition is in two months and the deadline. I got I to gotta get this painting done. Yeah. And you, you know, you got these goals. All right. Deliberate practice. Mm-hmm. Don't just doodle. Don't just doodle in that doodle sketchbook. Also, do the opposite. Mm -hmm. Practice liberally. <laughs> Keep your workspace sacred. That's another one that comes yeah. up in almost every list That's we right. have. <laughs> we're starting to go over the same territory here. I hope it's yeah. And well, some... we're done with that one then. Cool. Okay. So these are all the habits people suggested. Okay. Um, thank you, everyone. Those are great. Let's move on to I guess episode fifteen. Yeah. Yep. Who are some old artists pre-1940s that have fallen through the cracks? Oh, this was also a, a list of names. Yeah. And if you guys want to see this list of names of artists that have fallen through the cracks, you can go to that episode 15. I do want to mention something that somebody said since I made such a pitch and I continue to make such a pitch for the older artists. Someone said in our comments that it isn't that they were better. 
it's that there was all sorts of garbage back then just like there is now and as time goes on all of that goes to the bottom and so I when you that. go to hit okay yeah you're, that's what i told you're you skimming you're comparing the best, the, the best of the best of the that's right those generations and you're comparing all the crap you see today yes. that 200 years from now will be completely forgotten right you need to compare you, the best of did. the best of today to the best of the best of all the other generations. You did. Somebody and else all great. Made, uh, reiterated the point. I think a couple of people did. One did person say did it better it. than me. Yeah, God. one person did say it better than you. I'm, I'm sorry to tell you that. Uh, but <laughs> it's because, because we do have, you figure how much junk there is. We've got this treasure chest in the backyard buried under there that if you figure oh, it's just too much energy to dig up a treasure chest when i've got all of these knickknacks around then you miss out on that great stuff but it's the treasure chest that everyone uses oh also it just gets borne out over and over in classes filling up the screen with these images and going oh edmund dulac's <laughs> stuff just great stuff episode 16 this was the right side of the brain this was your what critique. do you think Marshall is missing about the right side of the brain? Or why do you agree with him? Well, there were so many people who agreed that uh, there was sort of a chorus of echoes, which <laughs> was nice. And then there were the ones who didn't really, just maybe a few disagreed, but uh, they, the main thing I got from the people who had the alternative view was that it changed my life because it gave me confidence. I didn't have any confidence that I could sit down, to, sit down to draw. Drawing on the right side of the brain gave me confidence that I can achieve something that is not just a symbol. It's a genuine observation of what's in front of my eyes. Mm -hmm. And that is the main thing that I felt was of any value is lacking confidence, thinking in symbols. This will get me to feel good about what I can sit down and draw and observe rather than relying on cliches. Is it it? Is that that's it? There were... I don't know what much more what more to say. I feel like I yeah. said in that. You know, I spent ten or fifteen minutes on that. All right, we're we're knocking these out, man. Oh, baby, we're moving. We're almost done with forward. this one. Woo, finale! <laughs> <laughs> Episode seventeen. What are some unusual ways you've made money? <laughs> Shawley says i used to work for a painter i would create entire paintings in his style and he would just come and sign them and sell for hundreds even thousands of dollars and pay me minimum lol i was very young and just happy to paint for money that's cool i mean sure if sholly got her his i'm not sure what uh they if they got their experience in being exploited for a minimum wage from someone who was making a fortune on it they got paid to learn yeah at least that. I'm big on that. I mean, no one forced Sholly to do that. They could stop whenever. That's true. So, they chose to do this. At least I hope no one forced Sholly. I hope not either. Um, Let's keep going. There were a lot, a lot of people, way too many, that said they make money drawing furry porn. Mm -hmm. You know what that is? Uh, yes. And you said way too many? So in other words, that's a huge market. So you're saying that your fan base, yes, <laughs> the draftsman fan base. Is it was old. the number one response in this huh. for this question. There were like six or eight people that were just like, "Yeah, I do furry porn." It's because it's a. <laughs> this is how it, I make money. But There's it's a, a huge market for this countercultural community that they spend money and they draw and 
This is what they do. Yeah. So it's a way they make money. Yeah. This may come off as a joke, but I've drawn a lot of porn, usually furry porn, which isn't particularly my favorite thing to draw. However, the experience has given me a couple of useful skills. As far as business goes, I've learned a lot about negotiating in terms of artistic skills. I have learned to draw things I honestly would have never considered studying, but that come in handy, such as animal anatomy and variety of proportions that unique characters may have. There is this strange fascination with making all genitalia visible, as well as faces, with most commission adult work. One of the most interesting things I've learned is more complex poses and perspectives that make all desired parts of the body visible. <laughs> what are you going to do? <laughs> it's like you have to have the front and the back visible at the same time. Cubism. And they have to be looking at you. Yeah. Oh my God, that's so Just to weird. maximize the experience. <laughs> it's great practice, but not all easy to make anatomically correct. Now you can imagine. I have learned more about anatomy and clothing fabric through this because it has expanded my visual library. Another person, J156, says, been drawing anime waifus on Patreon. <laughs> Do you not know what a waifu is? I don't. A waifu, it's a pillow, right? Like it's, it's specifically a pillow no, that you, it, no, it doesn't have to be a pillow? No, it's just a digital woman who you have chosen to be your significant other. This is, the the pillows are a, like a product of that. Oh, so it didn't start with the uh, pillows? Daku, yeah, Dakimakura. Those yeah, are the, those the are body those. pillows. That's just a way that you can print out your waifu and have oh, them. Oh, that's just the way you can sleep with your waifu. Yes. Yeah. Oh my God, I thought the pillow was the waifu. <laughs> Well, this is someone who says, I learned a lot from your video, Stan. So thanks. What? <laughs> oh, but this is interesting. I was drawn as a waifu. Were you? <laughs> yeah, let me go get it. Yeah, so you know Christian, right? We had crazy Christian's crazy questions. Yes, yeah, so I, so I know and I Christian. So Christian and I were at Comic-Con mm -hmm. and his friend, Senti Draws, I think that's how she goes by mm -hmm. at on Instagram. Okay. She drew... <laughs> Christian, that's Christian. Okay, and that's me uh -huh. as a pillow. I see. As a little heart oh, so between. I'm the wife. I'm, I'm she Christian's did, wow. waifu. But she did get kind of a an yeah. idealized anime. It's an anime version of us. It really is, waifus. and it's recognizable. Yeah. That's amazing. I thought it was great. That's awesome. Yeah, <laughs> wonderful. And who's the artist? Senti draws on Instagram. Okay. Or no, it's on Instagram. She's Senti Senti. C-E-N-T-I C-E-N-T-I Okay. So are you telling me we're going to start selling stand body pillows on the Proco store? Boy. No response. Um, I don't think so. <laughs> Unless we have a lot of requests. You heard it. You know what to comment. You're willing to do it. <laughs> oh yeah. Okay, these next two are kind of unusual. Although they aren't at all unusual statistically. They're just nobody mentioned them before. What's that? Family members. Oh, unusual ways of making money. Yeah. Spending time with my uncle. <laughs> and visiting oh, grandparents no. is the best possible source of income. Yeah. Depends on your grandparents. Yeah, yeah, it does. But, but could, yeah, it could you're be. You're going to the benefactors and yeah. you're doing client relations. There you go. Okay. Uh, one. There's only one more left. 
No, there's two more. Oh, you're right. There's the guy who's going to steal your idea. Oh, what? Josh, TR, says, I'm an engineer and I think I'm stealing your ideas for Program 2.0 website. So if that counts as an unusual way of mon making money, then okay. Go ahead. They're not my ideas. You know, Walt, <laughs> when people stole Walt Disney ideas, do you know about that? People, Walt, the Disney we animators were innovating. They were uh -huh. really changing the world and everybody else was watching what they were doing and copying it and yeah. bringing their game up and somebody asked him whether it bothered him and he said, it didn't bother him because if you're the kind of person who has to take somebody else's ideas, it means you're having a hard time generating them on your own and I'm, you know, he's blazing his own trails. Yeah. It's all about the execution anyway. If, yeah. if Josh, if you execute it better than me, great. Yeah. The art community will have an even better website, yeah. place to go to. I'm all for it. Yeah. I'd be interested. We could have a bidding war. <laughs> a bidding war? What do you say? <laughs> yeah. Henry You're the Great American. Uh, probably been said, but the best way to make money as an artist is to die. <laughs> well, we'll all make our fortune eventually. How do, I'm not sure how he means, though. He says, how many artists became famous after the fact, yeah. after they die? You know, there's more artists who are going to become famous tomorrow that are currently alive yeah. than who are already dead. So I think I you're don't on know if I'm, it's, you have more of a chance of becoming famous by dying. There's a movie called Murder Party that the premise is they get a bunch of artists together and like have them make work and the, the object is to kill them by the end of this night so that they, their art will be worth something. Wow. But that, that wouldn't be, it wouldn't work that way. It's a pretty might. silly movie, but it's, it's fun. It might? It might. If the idea of murdering someone the day after they made something becomes a thing, then yes. But like, just because they died, no. Yeah, but if they, uh, especially, if, it depends on how they died. It depends on how much attention it got. Okay, yeah, I'm going to tell a great story connected to it. I'm going to tell. I'm going to tell a story that I'm not going to mention the name of the artist nor the name of the celebrity. I'm going to guess partly because I might get it a little bit wrong, but this is the way it was told to me. Okay, and it certainly fits with what I know about uh, this this artist. This is an artist. Call him. Call him uh, Kim Jong. -gi. No, I will not call him that. <laughs> this is an artist. Uh, let's put it this way. It's an artist who couldn't draw. Colin Marshall. He, he, we, we went to the same school. He was an artist who couldn't draw. <laughs> You're good. He was an artist who couldn't draw and acknowledged that he couldn't draw and instead took things from magazines and turned them into sort of mannequin-like things and gave them titles and they and he played the market. He knew how to play the market that if you get known as profound or you get known as whatever you needed to do within the market of fine art, you can make a lot of money. And sure enough, that's what happened. And he bragged about this and he became a sensation and a famous movie star bought one of his paintings for I think it was $500,000. And then after the movie star bought it, this artist mocked the movie star saying it was a piece of garbage and he paid <laughs> half a million dollars for it. Wow. And That's the brave. movie star was furious, demanded his money back and the artist 
gave him his money back and then sold the piece for more for more oh, because oh, that yes. was the piece that made it into the news because the that famous is movie star, such genius that is a, that is an unusual way of making money but it isn't at all unusual if you if you watch robert hughes oh my god watch what robert, a way to insult that celebrity even more i know Oh my I God! Know, but, Who but is this? I, I need to know. I'll, I'll tell you another time, and, and and you can look it up and see if this if this actually. I mean, if it's on the facts. news, it's public. But I but I might be getting it wrong. And oh, also, I see. That artist and I went to the same school. Okay. So I'm I'm. But I'm, this is this is a great story. You're not insulting okay. that artist. This is like putting him up on a pedestal. Like, look how genius his marketing is. If you care about this, I'm the kind to do that. I can't draw, but I am really good at getting people to think a certain way. There, it's a depressing documentary but it's really worth the time it's called Exit to the gift shop is that the one no 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 it's called That's another uh, one that... uh, yeah I, I know of that one okay um this one is robert hughes was a an art critic who did a hosted a video called the mona lisa curse mm. and the mona lisa curse is a phenomenon that you if something is too well known it can never live up to what everybody expects. Oh, that's going to be the most incredible work of art. You got this amplified imagination. Yeah. And when you see it, it's say, well, that's it. But that's only the title of the documentary. The documentary is an indictment on the politics and financial arrangements that happen in the fine art world. But one of the things you'll see from it, people complain about the fine art world. And I'm not a part of the fine art world. But they complain about it because they say, you know, look at these people don't know how to draw. They make they're making social statements and that kind of thing. But it's a different set of dynamics. And if you're going to go into it, then you would want to understand how that playing field works. It's a completely different world from going into entertainment art. And it, even though it's a pessimistic, it's it's a very negative view. It is at least someone who was a famous art critic, who in probably about the 1990s was taking a look. Uh, at how that world has become. That will help you to become a player, or it would be one part of it. Making money, not because I know how to draw and paint, but because I know how to make the value of my work go up. Yeah. You know, kill myself tonight. <laughs> That's <laughs> stupid. Fake your death and yeah. make it make it so that it gets in the news, and it's like, well, they're not going to get any more from this Thank person, so it's good. let's give top dollar for it. Well, Henry, you may be a great American, but... <laughs> Stan is questioning whether the best way to make money as an artist is to die. And I don't have any more to say. Yeah. Episode 18. That was episode Share some inspiration. Who are some people who successfully changed careers after 30? It's another one where I'm just going to summarize what people said. Go ahead. It's a list. It's another, it's a list one, but it's a list that I thought was really interesting. Mm -hmm. Bob Ross. Because he was a... Yeah, he, was a, he was a military he was a military fighter wasn't he He was in uh he was um in the service for like till he was 39 until he actually started i don't i forgot which which branch but which branch yeah i i don't remember wow it, it's a wikipedia search okay away from finding out but um it's not the point 39 is when he started that's great and to he's hear. bob ross he's like the most yeah. famous famous recent artist yeah right well, Banksy yeah, it, might be but, more. But yeah, but no, the no, thing is, Bob everybody Ross. knows him as a painter and his image yeah. is out there and he's culturally an icon. Yeah. He could be, he's like a an emoji. Yeah. He's that far into our culture. And he started when he was 39. 
Stan Lee. Okay. 39 before he made his first comic. What? Bob Ross was in the Air Force. Air Force, okay. Actually, Stan Lee may be more famous than Bob Ross. Yeah. I think yeah, he is. Probably. Pro and way more successful. <laughs> yeah. Both the same age. 39 must be the age. So if you're 38, don't start yet. <laughs> Just wait till next year. That's the magical year to start. Susan Boyle. <laughs> I just wanted to throw Susan that in Susan Boyle there. is the singer who... Yeah, she sang got, on uh, like Britain's Got Talent or something. Okay, and, and, and everybody knew her immediately there. Yeah, it just the video went viral on okay. YouTube, I think. Um, I love that video. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's so great. I love Susan Boyle. Uh, Grandma Moses, she was 78. I did know about her, yeah. Yeah, she's the like the one people mention about like, is it too late? And like, well, no, Grandma Moses. Started at 78. Yeah. Mark Twain. Well, I don't know how long it took Mark Twain. He was uh, he was writing stuff. I Probably. Don't know. Yeah. Van Gogh started at twenty eight. Mm -hmm. So, not as impressed. I mean, twenty eight is still really young. Yep. Uh, Monet how started painting Monet? in his thirties, and then developed his iconic style in his forties. That's what someone said. I did not confirm that, but yeah. And then did I add somebody in there that I just, oh. re I read, this is just this week in going through those marvelous Jim Vadaboncourt Images magazines about T.S. Sullivan. T.S. Sullivan was a cartoonist who at the same time about as a uh, little before, actually they overlapped a lot, Heinrich Klei and that bunch in the early 20th century. He was one of the great pen and ink artists who did characters that he started to exaggerate more and more Chris okay. Sanders and a lot of animation character artists have been deeply influenced by T.S. Sullivan. I would say if you look at Chris Sanders' work, you see one of the main influences mm -hmm. for the way his, the personalities of these characters came from T.S. Sullivan. And he apparently did not get started as an illustrator until he was 32. No, no, I, I'm not sure. But anyway, he, it, was, it was after 30 that he started to become a, an artist. He got his skills first, then he started to get his characters, and then he became one of the top examples of editorial illustrators mm -hmm. and character illustrators. So yeah, I just found that out this week. Cool. I knew, knew his work for years, but I didn't know that he was a late bloomer, so I had to put it in there. That's the last one. Episode 19. Episode 19. Tell us a story of a person who became successful but had their doubts. Katie Marigold. Like every story ever told of every adult person on earth? Huh. <laughs> that's great. Yes, pretty much. Yeah. That's... For me personally, I've always had my doubts that I could be incredible at art. And after spending many hours of, on working at it, I'm now at a level where I'm mildly satisfied by the result. No, it's true. It's, it's kind of mocking the question. It's a stupid question. It's like you yeah. can literally name any artist. Oh, well, let me quote Robert Hughes, the guy that I was talking about who did the Mona Lisa curse. Robert Hughes said... The greater the artist, the greater the doubt. Perfect confidence is granted to the less talented as a consolation prize. No, I don't think it's like super correlated like that. I don't that. think it's absolutely correlated, but it's a caricature. But it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a caricature think, of a caricature. It's I way too it's much. A, I think it's a useful caricature because I have been surprised at how many people were great at what they did who had so much self-doubt. And I think of Norman Rockwell and I think of Stanley Kubrick because I've read their biographies or autobiographies and I know what people knew about them from the inside. So I've seen it often enough to see that the people I most admire 
are the people who were so concerned with the imposter syndrome. And I can tell you from my response to students, the ones who, when I say, how do you feel about this? I'm happy with it, are the ones that are blind to how it's going. They, and it, it, there's not much you can do. I agree with that, that it, 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 with too much confidence comes blindness. Mm -hmm. But I don't think that there is that correlation where it's like, you're in the middle, if you get a little more confident, you're going to become a worse artist. Oh yeah, I don't think that either. There's no, you can't pull it in those, in the same direction. I know. Because I know that art is also partially about how well you can perform, mm -hmm. right? Okay. And performance requires confidence. Look at any athlete. Yeah, yeah. You have to be confident in yourself to be able to perform at high levels. Okay, so here's why I brought this up. Because, tell us of a story, tell us a story of a person who became successful, but how that had their doubts. Yeah. And Katie Marigold says, like every story ever told of every adult person on earth. Yeah. Because everyone's had had doubts. Yeah. But boy, sometimes the people who do great work are highly sensitive to Absolutely. whether it's working or not. Absolutely. There are those people and then there are people that do great work and have a lot of confidence. And have a lot of confidence. So, I okay. just don't like that. I know you don't. Polarization. Well, you're just going to have to live with it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, what next? Great. Oh, well, no, I had something to say about imposter syndrome. I was listening to, again, Seth Godin. Mm -hmm. It's a great podcast. Mm -hmm. Have you heard of his podcast? No. I know who Seth Godin is. Seth Godin? I've, I've listened to Seth Godin listen a few to his times. Podcast. I'm not like familiar it. with they're, his podcast. They're short enough to digest in like quick moments of when you have some like like 20 minutes. Unlike this. Exactly. <laughs> he says everybody is an imposter. Everybody. So it's like if you have imposter syndrome, yeah. Because you are an imposter. Because everyone had to start before they have gotten there. Yeah. That You're not makes a great sense. artist from the beginning. You have to be a an okay artist, but you have to believe in yourself and you have to decide to do great things and shoot to do great things before yeah. you can do those great things. Yeah. And until you do those great things, you are an imposter. Yeah. You haven't proven it yet, either to yourself or to anyone else. But today in today's world, we have the most opportunity to be imposters To position and ourselves as, yes. yeah. Because before, if you wanted to have a radio show, mm -hmm. you would have to have someone tell you you're not an imposter, here's a radio show. Today, you can be a bunch of Joes like us and create a podcast. No one has to validate us. So the, we have the, to choose. The negative terminology of imposter is like saying every kid is a fake grown up. Yeah. It's like, it, it, so that doesn't really, mean they should stop trying to be grown ups right. or feel bad about trying to be a grown up. Today, you could also have a YouTube channel. You can it's have amazing. your own TV show. Yeah. So because we have so much opportunity today, it would be a shame not to use it mm -hmm. to be an imposter. Yeah. Yeah, just find your evil twin, kill them, and take their place. <laughs> that way then you become the evil twin. Wait, so who was the evil twin? That's the question. Oh, shit. Yeah. Well, no, if you are the evil twin... Then you'd kill the kill good twin. Kill the good twin and become the good twin. Okay. 
<laughs> so that good. was the episode 19 was the one where we talked about imposter syndrome. Yeah. And, and the people that uh, some of the people I was around, that was a conversation the following week uh, about imposter syndrome. And I felt like what we covered in there was was good enough. I mean, it was that everybody's going to go through doubts. So you just embrace yeah. it and, and... I just really liked Seth Godin's approach. And he this was a recent episode. He did a full imposter syndrome episode. You uh -huh. don't have to listen to it because I just summarized the whole thing. Oh, you did it beautifully too. <laughs> but you should listen to his podcast. I, I love am it. proud to be an imposter while it lasts. As soon as my real success happens, I will have no more chance to impost. Is that a word? I don't care whether it is or not. You're I'm such confident. You fake talker. I, I am confident that the word impost is a legitimate word. <laughs> Let's move on. All right. Episode 20. What are your favorite drug alternatives? Should I read these? Yeah, do it. Meditation, coffee. It's not a drug alternative, but okay. Coffee. <laughs> it's a drug. Music, yeah. drawing, sex exercise sleep deprivation okay that can create hallucinations i have my story to tell uh, yeah shamanic breathing books massage sleep kids slash baby animals <laughs> i totally agree with that. i don't know why i put that one at the end yeah that is like a drug being around kids they, they know it that it takes you to a different state. It does. And, be, and even uh, pets that you adore, you're putting out uh, chemicals yeah. in your I've body. I've never that... experienced as much anger yeah. as I have. Yeah, right. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, that too. <laughs> when my dog just barfed and crapped and then ate the poop and then barfed huh. again all over the house. Could you be more descriptive? That is a drug. That I'm experience sure is yeah. a drug. You're, yeah, and you, you just want to get up. out of that high. Yeah. It's a bad trip. Do I want to elaborate? No. My dog used to eat her poop. I for... was I was actually I was just actually kind of being sarcastic. Oh, sorry. <laughs> sorry about that. Um, we got our list. Those are it. Uh, Should we read more? You haven't lived until you've lined down on the floor and someone has put a box full of either kittens or puppies all over your body. And you're just letting it happen, letting them crawl all over you. That's cool. That, that sounds awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It's have a, you had that done to you? I have. It was wonderful. <laughs> was it kittens? It was kittens. Ah, I would hate that. <laughs> I would just explode. I would explode. <laughs> because it got claws or because you got... I'm allergic to cats. Oh, very, oh, very allergic. allergic. Cats. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, My, I would explode. Good. Yeah. It'd be a, a different sort of drug for you. <laughs> yeah, that is a drug. Allergy. Allergens are a drug to me. Um... So well, Mike B says gongs, not bongs. Gongs, not bongs. I'm not sure what that means. It's it's music? a meditation. I'm thinking. Oh, okay. Or or maybe well, like uh, it could drumming. Be music too. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And hanging out with kids, Gringo Benedicto, and you guys. You guys. My new dopamine resource that I will consume and addicted. Probably will need rehab after the trip. We'll see. You're gonna have <laughs> three three months to see what it's like to be without us. Going cold turkey. Yeah. Carte Isley says alcohol-based markers. Shower. Shower. Warm. Cold if I need to stay awake. Warm if I need to get comfy. Okay. 
Oh, this one is about you. Mm. Compliments. Do you want me to read this one? No, let's to just you. I'm going to read this to you, Marshall. <laughs> Marshall has an incredible mind. And listening to your discussions opens up my mind. <laughs> I'm feeling <laughs> uncomfortable here. This is from Hank, the super nerd. Okay. <laughs> Call it divergent state of mind. I feel creatively energized after listening to this podcast. So engaging in a discussion, even if it's just listening, to me is a good alternative to drugs. Huh. Speak Marshall to me. Speak Marshall to me. Hank. Hank the super nerd. Hank, I, I understand what you mean. I feel like I get my mind expanded by certain uh, writers and certain movies yeah. and watching uh, a film called Koyanis Katsi, uh is something that I've watched over and over because it expands my mind. Einstein supposedly every year read Edwin Abbott's Flatland. Do you know the book no. Flatland? No. Now, this is a problematic book. Uh -oh. It's late 19th this, century. This it's uh, Edwin Abbott was a mathematician. He wrote a work of fiction that has become really significant in a lot of people's thinking. And it is about a character in a flat world that knows nothing about up and down this way and up or, or up or down on the Z axis. It only knows X and Y. And so when you come up against another character, you can feel them and decide whether they're a straight line or whether they're a polygon or whether they're a circle. And that's where the hierarchy, the social hierarchy is based on that. Well, he spends a good deal of the book describing this world from the character's point of view. And then where he takes it two thirds of the way through and then toward the end is really mind expanding. My brother gave me this book and said, you got to read this book, you got to read this book, and I could never get it. And it was also, it was not an easy read. It's a short book, but it was not an easy read because it's written in 19th century uh, uh, lingo. But there was one night where I had a cold and I had just drunk a cup of coffee at about one in the morning. And so it's like, okay, I've got energy, what I'm gonna do. This was back when I was in my 20s, and I read that book from beginning to end in one sitting, and I might have finished it at three or four in the morning, and it was hard for me not to call up everybody and say, have you read this book? Really? Yes. You have to be patient with the book. Don't expect a lot, but there is a reason why Einstein supposedly read it every year to expand his mind is because it was a train of thought that where it takes you then points back to you to say, what are you doing with your consciousness? What are you doing with your mind? And I, I understand how what Hank is getting at is that I listen to some people and they expand my mind. They do open me up to other things. So I appreciate it, Hank. Mm -hmm. Uncomfortable as I felt, especially yeah, the way. Hank, what the hell? That was a weird yeah, and the way, way Stan... The voice that you wrote that in? Yeah. The way Stan Weird. read it was not respectful. <laughs> I'm sorry, Hank. I'm trying to be entertaining. Recreational reading. Victor... Victor... Adai... 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 Adai? How, do you, how do you know how to Adai. pronounce it? Victor... Adai... Adai? Recreational <laughs> reading because it activates that. my imagination. Reading is one you of the... You just talked about that. Great ones, yeah. yeah. Lately, to me, it's been listening to podcasts. Yeah. I've been listening to a lot. Podcasts, if you've got a good podcaster, they expand your mind. That's part oh, of their yeah. job. Teolene Druce, ketogenic, no, ketogenic diets, fasting for 12 hours. 
I eat usually eight-ish in the evening, the next time about 10 a.m. I wake up 5.30 every morning, so I'll have super productive time from 6 to 10. This goes back to uh, what's similar about uh, finding your when your best time is, your most creative time is. Finding what right after I've watched a movie, I'm in such a mood that I feel like writing. Right after I've gone to the museum, uh, I used to find that I would go to the museum and I'd get all amped up to make art. But then driving from Los Angeles to Orange County, I'd be so exhausted when I came home. I couldn't make any art. And the next day I'd be recovering. So it became counterproductive, but I loved museums. And that was when I started keeping a sketchbook. And I did some of my best drawings by having the sketchbook being in the museum right now is when I'm getting the rush from looking at this art. Right now is when I start moving my pencil around and a few little pieces came out because having the sketchbook when the inspiration is hitting, not saying I'm going to get the inspiration and tonight I'll see if I can work it out. Yeah. That was that was a similar thing. We're done with this, We're right? Done with that one. No, I know we aren't done with it because no. I want to point out two things from the drug alternative thing. Okay. One was, because I'm trying to find some kind of takeaway with this, that the thing about drugs is that they give you the effect first and you pay the price later. It's the opposite of exercise, which you pay the price first and then you get the reward later. That was one theme of it. But the other that I didn't mention and I wanted to mention because I mention it in classes on creativity when we're talking about the use of mind-altering drugs, hallucinogens in particular, that using those as a source of, of expanding the mind and becoming creative, everybody is given the equivalent of an LSD trip every 24 hours for free and most people don't pay any attention to it because it's hard to pay attention to it but if you do pay attention to it and mine it regularly there is no negative side effect what is it it's dreams when you go into the dream state you are consciously aware of things that have no uh, uh they, they, they don't conform at all to the way the outside the waking world works and they can have insights in them, creative uh, yeah. uh, uh, epiphanies can happen within them. But the idea, the natural, the more natural way to get the effect of hallucinogens without ever having to mess with hallucinogens is to aim at dreams. I do like to make that point that if that's what you're hungry for, it does not have to be chemically induced. Yeah. It can be mined if you're willing to give it enough attention. That was one of the takeaways from it. I like the dream one. I really wish I could focus on becoming more, a better lucid dreamer. But if as soon just, as I wake up, I, I forget it. And It's not important to you right now though. It's not, but it sounds fun. I love them. I just, I think dreams are one of the most fascinating things that happen in human experience. Yeah. And they can be very entertaining. Well, one day, I hope I get yeah. good at it. Yeah, I don't remember my dreams unless I keep a dream journal. How They're, long does it take for you to start remembering them? Like how many nights? Pretty of... quick, like within a week. Really? Interesting. Episode 21, we asked, it was about creativity? Was the whole thing creativity? I think so. Yeah, I don't know how the this worked These out. These are just fun. This one is just fun. Let's get through. There's only two comments and I thought they were fun. Okay. Okay. We asked, what's your Jello skyscraper idea? For people who don't know what a Jello skyscraper is, I interviewed Steve Houston one time and he said that there's three ways of being creative. One of those was just combining things together. Jello skyscraper. Boob, you got an original idea, you're being creative. 
Okay. That's the Jello skyscraper idea. And earthquakes can't hurt a Jello skyscraper. Well, if it's strong enough, it can crack the Jello. Oh, not if It'll, it's really wobbly and it just it loves the earthquake. It has fun with it. Anyway, I'm. I if just, you take a thing of Jello and you you can rip it. Oh, I guess you can. If you really shake it vigorously, things will start flying off. Okay. Yeah. It's a Jello tragedy. <laughs> but good. I we was trying to find that. a way why can... Jello skyscraper could be useful for an engineer who says, "Hey, let the earthquakes happen. We got a flexible building." Yeah. Also, the weight would just collapse onto itself. Yeah. Okay. Well, we've gotten rid of that. And you human can't go into it; it just fall through the uh, whole thing. With Jello is only a, a suggestion for how to make it flexible. Keep yeah. going. My my Jello skyscraper in that episode was scuba diving bed bugs in water mattresses, and then Dennis says edible paint drinkable if mixed with water this would solve the starving artist problem <laughs> i love that <laughs> i like diego r's yeah silent musicals <laughs> yeah. silent musicals could be really interesting you see it's it actually working yeah interpretive dance I, it's dance where the rhythm uh, of the movement and and okay, the yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, then that's just, that already exists then. Yeah, yeah, in a way, but it's the, the idea is to remember we talked about putting limitations on things. That was one of the principles yeah. of creativity. How could you pull this musical off if there's got, got no sound? And then you've got to really get creative with it. You can put the music in later if it's got to be a real musical. Mm -hmm. One of the things people caricature Robert McKee's teaching about that he's against voiceover narration, which he is not against voiceover narration. But he does point out that if you've got to have somebody do a voiceover to explain to the audience what it is you're supposed to be doing the work of dramatizing, then you're not doing the job of a visual storyteller. So his, his criteria for it is, does it work without the voiceover narration? And if it does, then you're probably okay to put it back in. Because you wouldn't put it in unless it was ironic, as is very useful to have somebody tell you the story of how I beat the tiger in a fight and then you get to see the image and that you didn't beat the tiger in a fight at all. So if you have an irony in there, that can be useful. And the other is that it gives some kind of angle on it that enriches it, that what we're seeing and what we're hearing are not exactly the same thing, hmm. that there's more of what was going on in my mind that may very well be ironic or that or strategic or whatever but that's a good way to do it is that if you're going to tell a story visually can you tell the story visually and if you can you've done the hard work now you can enrich it with the voiceover narration so silent musicals might be uh, every musical composer could figure how would this look let me see it first can we apply this to painting painting for blind people well, sculpting for that blind, is blind people is sculpting. obvious, but painting for blind people? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah I can. Well, well, let's think about it. Jack, one of the things, uh, I, if you don't understand Jackson Pollock's art, part of it is that I'm going to let the movement of this, I'm going to let the experience of it, almost the dance of putting this paint down, there's going to be a record of it. It's not going to be a record of everything because it's only a flat surface that received all this paint that I threw at it, but it is a record. It's a record of Are you movement. talking about the artist is blind? Yeah, yeah. Or the, the viewer. The the artist is blind. No, oh, yeah, was, I was yeah, talking it, about it, paintings for blind to, for the viewer. 
Uh, yeah, well, then that's where person. impasto, and if you put your yeah. hands on this you painting, you can feel the painting. You can but feel you the relief the of it. Yeah, or even the brush strokes could be brush strokes as painters care about anyway. They either go along the form or across the so form. It has to work just as the impasto brush strokes, even though they can't see the value and color. But we don't want to get locked into these Jello skyscrapers and say it has to be made out of Jello. And also, Jello's a brand. It can't be made out of another brand of gelatin. It has to be made out. Of, get it, it's taking the metaphor too literally. Okay. Okay. We're done with that one? 22. We're almost done, Marshall. Wow. We're almost done. Episode 22. Uh, we asked them if you guys are interested in knowing more about the inner workings of Proco. Let me know and I'll try to address them. Some person. Who? That's the name. Some person oh. writes, what's your hair gel budget? Huh. <laughs> Well, I don't use hair gel. Really? No. I use uh, hair putty. Hair putty. Okay. Yes, I use a hair putty. It is. It costs eighteen dollars. Yeah. It lasts me a year. Wow. <laughs> it's Mitchell. And you the got Mitchell a, is the brand. You can put a link to it and everything. You can put a link to it. Reformer is the one I use. Stronghold matte finish. <laughs> wow, Stan. People want to know. I'm giving them the answers. You are. It's $18, lasts me a year. That's my budget. No more, no less. Okay, they got what they needed from Proco. Yeah, what about you? I Sweat. probably shouldn't admit that I... You use hair gel? I occasionally walk through the aisles of supermarkets, the hair <laughs> care products, and I... <laughs> you reminisce. Oh, all these people spending $18. All of this money that people... I miss. I miss the glory of having that head of hair. But I do not miss having to deal with it. It's just wonderful <laughs> being me. Okay, yeah. I don't think being bald looks bad. I'm okay with it. Yeah, look good. Thanks. I'd be interested in which tools or software you use to implement Scrum. We actually just use a spreadsheet and we created columns and each task is a row. Mm -hmm. We have a column for the the story, which is the category of the task. Then we have the task description, mm -hmm. the person responsible, how many points it's worth, the priority, um, if it's done or not. The, so the status, uh, date, the completed. date it was completed, because then that automatically gets put into a chart that we that it goes into. What spreadsheet do you use? We use Google Sheets. Google spreadsheet. You know, a, a number of years ago. Uh, a major uh, game company did a presentation to a small group of how they used, what's the Microsoft spreadsheet? Is it Excel? Excel, yeah. How they use Excel to write the games. And they'd color code the columns. And it was, it was an example of creativity. Excel was not meant to do this, but they ended up using it as uh, game strategy design. Well, this this implementation of, of a spreadsheet is actually a very logical. Like, this is what spreadsheets were made for. Okay. It's not very, that creative. Universe Artist one. says, I'd rather have project management for artists as a course. That way, any artist can benefit from it, no matter if they want to go into the business side of it or not. Great idea. That's a great course. Project management. Got your wish list of who you would... Uh, bring in for it i've kind of started mm -hmm. <laughs> i've got a person with, or two in mind with someone okay no i'm not the teacher for it okay it's far away don't okay. get excited all right 
Episode 23. Episode 23. This is the final one we will cover. This is the one that I haven't even had a chance to read the comments on yet. Well, here they are. Here they are. And there will be 24 and 25 already out by this time, but we haven't published those yet. Yeah. So we can't read those comments. Right. And um, 26. 26? Oh, yeah, and 26. So three episodes, we'll just not get our response. Yeah. It's just the way it got to be, though. Number 23 was, if you're a parent and artist, give some advice on balancing the two to be a good parent and successful artist. This one got a lot of res responses. Yes, it did. We got some parent listeners. We do. Boy, oh boy. Dungo Fungus. <laughs> Sorry. I feel bad for kids with artist parents. They're probably heavily neglected in most cases and the burden is placed on the spouse. At least if the artist is a working professional not just drawing as a hobby. I, I don't think so. I think that. if you're a good parent, it doesn't matter what your career is. You're a good parent. If you're bad, it doesn't matter if you're a stay-at-home mom, stay-at-home dad. If you're just a bad parent, you're going to be bad no matter what your career is. I don't think an artist makes you a bad parent. Yeah. You, can, I, you brought up... Um, N.C.Y. N.C. Wyeth. In, I forgot which book it was, but they're, they're, Andrew was talking about how great his father was. Yes. And how... He made being a kid so fun yes. and creative. One of and his so, sisters said that Andrew was NC's great uh, pride. Like she said, mentioned him as his golden boy. He was really a big deal to NC and Andrew didn't have to go to school. He was homeschooled by a dad who taught him. Andrew was really appreciative of the way his dad taught him. Yeah. Now, there was one good thing going on is that NC was making enough money to where the family was well provided for. And when artists have a hard time making money, then the whole family is, is deprived of some things that they might like to get from someone who's making better money. Yes. But I know all sorts of you could be artist a, parents that are making great money. You can be a good parent and be poor. That's true too. Y you can't associate those things either. Yes, I understand. <laughs> I don't feel are, are bad for kids with artist parents unless know. their artist parents are bad parents. Are not, yeah, yeah, are, are, <laughs> I feel bad for doctor kids oh, with doctors as parents. Gosh, yeah, the stories they work way of more. That. Or lawyers if they're bad parents. Yeah. It's it doesn't matter. But knowing something about uh children of of parents who are doctors uh is one of those things where you say, "All right, let's look into another profession and see if it's any better or easier." Yeah. And doctors make a lot of money. Mhm. Mm Does it make their kids happier with their parents? Yeah. I don't know. I don't think so. I'd rather have poor artist parents who are great parents than rich doctor parents who are bad parents. Yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't zero in on the artist is the thing that makes it good or bad, but somebody does feel bad for kids with artist parents because yeah. they are probably heavily neglected in most cases and the burden is placed on the spouse. Not always. Are, okay, not always. Not always. Yeah, 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 yeah. No. Okay, well, have to be that way. it can happen that way, but let's move on. Any full-time job, they're going to be gone for that time. Someone has to make money, right? Someone has to be gone during the day. And what, are they yeah. neglected just because they're going to work? Yeah. MB320 says, I try to draw or paint at least one hour a day with my daughters, eight and four. They both love it. Also, I'll draw some of their ideas and make little comics or stories. That's cool. That's, a, that's like an example of being a really good parent while being an artist is mm -hmm. making it fun for your kids 
mm-hmm. to participate in your profession yeah and explore their own creativity you know it's like they have these ideas and then you make them reality right? you illustrate yes. their ideas and like whoa that's cool i thought of that that's awesome you know what we might have included in this question what? is that if you were raised by artist parents tell us the best and worst of it tell us you know, because we could That's get some true. stories of man i've got some great memories of what yeah. i got from from my that artist parents cool. yeah but we didn't we think didn't. of it <laughs> but we got great responses we for did the we got lots we did of stuff. so another. i don't I'm, I'm fine with this um you want to read the next one I'm a dad of two boys. This is Sam Sammy Samos. Sam Sammy Samos. I'm a dad of two boys, five and three years old. And yes, it is hard to find time and energy and inspiration to work on your craft while working in a... CIE? CIE. CIE and raising raising child all week long. So, to balance these two sides of life, here's what I'm trying, but not totally succeed yet, to do. One, I organize my working times with the consent of my family. For instance, we agree that Tuesday evening will be my working time and nothing else. That freeing my mind and give me, gives me positive pressure to have results. Two, I do creative and practice with my kids. Kids love to paint and draw, so I spend some time painting with them. Even do little master studies with them while they're doing some cartoon book studies. It's very good time and good practice. Nice. Three, I try to convince myself that my daily physical fatigue is way less strong than my obsession for drawing and to become better at it. <laughs> So I stand up from my couch and go to my desk the most as I can and never regret. Four, finally, I remember that kids are growing fast and soon enough I will for sure miss their quote tiresome unquote presence. Thanks Proco team for all your wonderful job. Yeah, that's great advice. That was great, yeah. Thank you. I don't really have anything to say. That was just great advice. I know that there were some specific times when my son wanted me to do with things with him where the the thing I was thinking, that is the last thing I want to do right now. I just want to sleep. I just want to read my book. Yeah. And I, I reminded myself, this is a temporary opportunity and chose to do it. And two of those are really sweet memories of, uh, of his childhood. Only two? Well, two of them are particularly oh, okay. ones where it was at crisis point. Tell him no, no. Tell him, tell him yes, because mm. he's not going to ask you this ten years from now. And they they stood out. They were. Mm. I won't take time to tell him now. No, it, that's They cool. take too long. But, no, that, that, yeah. that's good. I like that story. Keith says, "Here's the reality that I see. I have a four-year-old and a two-year-old. They're both in bed by eight. I can paint from eight to twelve. So no TV, no relaxing." Evening is time for painting. I probably paint more than my friends who never had kids because they said it took time away from painting. <laughs> sure. Yeah. 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 I mean, Keith, you've got some energy. If At 8 o'clock, you're still going to paint for four hours and be mentally clear Yeah. and be able to do it well. You... you He's doing the thing that we talked about with power. the... the yeah. I want to the, know what their drug alternative yeah. is. This is like the, the guitarist that had the finger problems. You have to work harder, and so you do work harder, and the people who did not have as much to struggle with don't get as strong at it. But I admire he, his determination. Uh, Garl Vinland. I want Marshall as a dad now. Well, I'm old. I think 20 other people said that. Marshall, would you be our dad? I would read books. To us? 
Yeah, you I'll should read, start another yeah, podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If we, <laughs> you should start a YouTube channel where it's just you reading your favorite children's literature. I'll play the role of the person who will come in and read the books. Well, that would be the the whole thing. That would be the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. That's it. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's Uncle Marshall's story time. I mean, there's a number of other things. I mean, everybody wants grandkids. Not everybody wants kids, but most people, I think, would like grandkids. Okay, yeah. Because you don't have to, you don't have the responsibility. Well, like can having, we all be your grandkids? Have the puppies, yeah. Grandpapa Marshall. Yeah, yeah. I'll be the grandpa who reads. All right. We've established that. We can move on. <laughs> okay. Harbor Anthem. You want to read hers? I'd like to hear a conversation on the subject from a mom's point of view. No disrespect to dads and all that they do, but I feel like moms oftentimes are the primary caregivers of the children in our and most other societies. I am a mom of two. And an artist, currently in art school, the only way I'm able to make art is by putting my kids in daycare. I'd like to hear about some well-known artists that were moms before they became well-known artists. Okay. Did anyone respond There's with a, a list of There's a lot of moms of that responded. Let's, Let's hear. Let's read some Let's stories do. from okay. moms. Should you read the next one? Sure. Bree says, I am a mother. <laughs> Great way to start. Of two. Three and a half and one and a half. I am pregnant with a third and still find time to do art. It may not be as much as I like or used to, but at least it's something. I usually find the time during my son's nap, about two hours, and my daughter will usually draw with me. I'm contemplating use a couple hours after the kids go to bed as well, as long as I'm not too tired myself. Okay. And she made an edit. It obviously can be done. You just have to be willing to sacrifice certain things for yourself. Relaxation, downtime, a little sleep. However, if giving up those things ne negatively affects your life and those of your kids, like losing two extra hours of sleep, cause you to become aggravated easily, then it isn't worth it and you should just wait until your kids are older and less reliant on you, which isn't that far off. School starts around age five or six. Um, yeah, I think that's a good point. If you're, if you're only getting four or five hours of sleep because you're staying up till 12 painting, you're gonna be more mad at your kids when they wake up. That's yeah. Like, yeah. Why don't you read the next one too? Because it's okay. something related to yeah, you. Yeah, another mom. Or Andrew. Oh, Andrew says, yeah. I feel like people should check out Eliza Ivanova. Yes. She's a fantastic artist and an animator and I think she's also a single mom. Someone else says, she's insane. And they mean that in a good way. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, a huge inspiration for me. I've seen some Comic-Con videos in which she's carrying her child while signing books and everything. That, I think that's one of our... That's one of our... Yeah, that's one of Stan has interviewed her at Comic-Con while she was taking care of her child in between book signings. Yeah. Yeah, Eliza, she was at Comic-Con. She was wearing her child. Yeah, I one watched. Of those, I saw the the carriers i think yeah it was great to see um yeah and she's there hustling yep uh very inspiring she's it there doesn't bother the child the child's with mom and there's a whole lot of there's a lot of social affinity that goes on yeah. just with the whole fact of it yeah it's gonna get harder for her to do that once the kid is running right it's <laughs> <laughs> when you go for a kid on the leash a kid on the leash yeah yeah so she's talking and doing signings while she's holding the leash. <laughs> the kid is yelling in the back. But uh, if it can be endured, it's at least entertaining at times. Yeah. But 
either way she she's definitely an inspiration yeah should i read the next one sure hazel a hensley it's hard work i must keep a calendar i try to work or practice daily sometimes my kids feel my absence but i try to squeeze time for them my health suffers often because i stretch myself too much as a woman i choose to have them first and enjoy their childhood for 12 years now my youngest is six years old they respect my work and I drag them with me to the gallery. They both enjoy art as a hobby. I let them choose. But it's hard to keep up with household work, school, family time, and my artwork from home. I would say time, man time management, organization, and keeping an agenda helps me keep with all the responsibilities, family love, and my passion for art. Well, Hazel has come alive. And that's a hard thing, but I'm on it. 12 years of rising to the occasion. Jody, another thing I did as a mom was to take a sketchbook to church. <laughs> oh yeah, this one. This was funny. Or just a piece of paper. During service, I would draw a random line on a page and pass the book to my daughter. She would add another line and pass it back. No words were spoken. You might see it turning into an animal when suddenly her next line morphed into something totally different because that was where her brain was taking it. This became a favorite game of ours. Our pastor encouraged things like this because the kid was still listening and exposed to the service, yet quiet and content to sit through it. We both enjoyed this as a creative special game between the two of us. That's cool. great, Jody. That sounds like fun. <laughs> yeah, it's a fun story. Not sure about the next one. Uh, <laughs> this is probably a dad. Check a screen at your kid. They'll be busy for hours. I do it as an uncle. Yeah, it is. Okay. <laughs> hey, it works. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Evan Michael Hardin. Hardin? Hardon? Hope not. <laughs> you can always practice your tattoo skills on your baby. <laughs> God, these men. What is up with you, dads? Uncles? <laughs> I think it's... The we had all these great comments from these moms. And then the dads are just like, chuck a screen at them. Tattoo them. <laughs> you know what I think? You know what I think is going on there? <laughs> I know that some moms are the entertainers of the family yeah. but in my observation it's more it's it happens less often than the dad who puts himself in the role of the entertainer and is going to make the shocking statements and that kind of thing i th i just observed it i might be wrong wait what hold on the, say the, that again the dad is going to be the one who's going to say the outrageous things oh of course the dad's going to be the one who is going to encourage the kids to fart and the mom is doing everything she can <laughs> to keep that from happening it doesn't that always great. work that way but i think that if you go back historically that's that's been the uh, oh that's awesome you're right maybe uh, maybe i'm not i don't know all of this stuff is being rethought through you know who the male version of eliza ivanova is who jeremy lipking is he yeah because he's a dad who he's got like eight kids and I always see him with a baby strapped to his chest. Yeah. Always. He always has a newborn. Yeah. I mean, whenever, when I went to galleries and all these shows and competitions and Jeremy was there, he had a baby strapped to him. Yeah. It's not even my kid. Because <laughs> <No>. <laughs> they have so many. It's like every year there's a newborn and yeah. he had to go to these shows. And Yeah. Nathan yeah. Fowkes was, uh, spoke to a group of students yesterday and talked about how they have twins and that when he was on some deadlines, he would work all the way through the night and he'd have the twins strapped to his belly so that he could do the work while he's got the twins on him. It was, yeah. And, it, and he said it was really enjoyable. Mm -hmm. 
Lucas Graciano. I don't know mm-hmm. how often he did it, but he was, I remember when I was at Watts, Lucas is a teacher at Watts Atelier. Mm-hmm. When I was there, he was the first teacher to have a kid. Mm-hmm. And everyone was like, oh my God, what are you gonna do? Mm-hmm. And then, and he's just like, I'm gonna strap the baby to my chest and go painting. And, yeah. And I think he did. We'd have to ask him, but you'd have to use safer, you know, products. <laughs> yeah. You can't. You don't do airbrushing and you don't do uh, oil paint. No turp. Yeah. No, no Put toxic thing. Put a little gas thing. mask on the baby. <laughs> yeah. No, okay, you have so to be anyway. Safe, but you can still do art. A dad, probably. Yeah. Or somebody without kids said, chuck a screen at your kid. Okay. Yeah. Did I uh, Tara says, art germ is a father of two kids, married and is a productive as an as productive as an artist gets he's a personal inspiration of mine not just for his art but for how he integrates art into his work and personal life cool check out art germ okay i recently discovered art germ it's good you want to read the next nan as a mother and an artist i think it's easier for male artists to still be creating while being a parent but not quite the same for women artists because society, even our family, expect us to be a mother first. It's especially difficult for women artists who are just starting up in their career. I had to put mine on hold for years because my husband's income can't afford me to be a startup artist and put my child in the daycare. I had to get an office job so we can survive. Wait, so she had an office job uh-huh. while she was a mom. Yeah. So I don't see the difference between having an office job and having an art job whether you're a man or a woman. Now, wait a second, though. She has an office job now. I had to get an office job so we can survive. Yeah. So if you're a man and an artist, if you aren't making enough money to support your family, Mm -hmm. well, you'd have to get a different job or your wife would have to have a job. Yeah. It would be exactly the same if the roles were reversed. If you're a female artist and you're not making enough money to support your family then your husband or you know or you know the father would have to get an office job as well right but i certainly agree that it is harder for women with children cultural expectations definitely but it's not just cultural it's just the fact that a woman has to go through the entire pregnancy and bear the child and there's the one who is (laughs) oh yeah that part closer (laughs) to the baby and so it's yeah there's there's more at stake yeah for a mom yeah Edison Jr. Very interesting, but why is it different to be a father-mother artist or a father-mother engineer? Parenthood is demanding no matter the profession of the father-mother, maybe the greatest difficult is to work at home in any profession and raise the kids. Yeah, Yeah, Let let me answer the question of why artist-engineer. Is that if you're going to be an engineer, the whole world looks at you and says, wow, you're going to contribute to the military-industrial complex. You are going to be a responsible member of society. When you announce to the world that you're an artist... They are much more likely to say, what do you do for a living? It's just, it's the fact that engineers, when they get their education, when they get their degree, are more likely to be employed. Yeah, but are we talking about people who are students when they become parents or people who already have their career? In that if case... If you're already making money as an artist, people aren't going to say, well, what do you do as a career? You're going to be like, well, I make money as an artist. I'm an artist. I right. make money. Right. But the, the fact is that artists have a harder time making a living than engineers. And so that's how come this bit is brought up in particular. But then uh, Edison Jr. points out, maybe the greatest difficulty is to work at home in any pr- profession and raise the kids. Yeah, I right. worked at home 
all during that time of his child. I was away to teach some classes at night, but for the most part, I was there. And was, so that would be one of the challenges and one of the privileges. Was your wife there as well the whole time? Uh, and also worked at home full time too. Oh, cool. So yeah, it was a, our son was- You guys took turns? We, we used what? to joke that it was homeschooling, but when he gets five, he goes into the public school system that acts like a daycare. He'll get an education there, but still, because we didn't have television, there was so much involvement mm. with this one child that it was just constant. I mean, there was just never a time when it was not, conversation wasn't on, if you know what I mean. It was just interaction. Not yet, he just started talking. And he's, he's two and a half? Or, he's two and two months. But he's asking, whatever, he's asking questions constantly? No, no, not yet. He's okay. talking, Okay. but the, the more complicated sentences uh -huh. are gibberish. Uh-huh. When, he oh, okay. yeah, when there's a simple thought, I get it. I know yeah. exactly what he wants. Early two. Yeah, at yeah. least two years, two months. Yeah. Yeah, you've only got about another three, four, five months where you're going to be hearing. Yeah. You're going to hear oh, opinions he's so, about He's every... structuring some complex sentences mm -hmm. every once in a while. Yeah. Six, oh. six to ten words all together. Makes sense. Like, whoa, did you just do that? Oh, my God. Yeah. It's like, yeah. It's and the funniest things are yet to be said. <laughs> Looking forward to it. Yeah. He's bossy though. He's starting to. That's not unusual. Order I'm told. The, the, have you ever heard of uh, the, the little emperor, a, a firstborn or an only child, who by the time they're two and three, they're the audacity, the, uh, the I am, I have the answers for everything, and I am. It is everybody will bow to my will. <laughs> That's cool. And there used to be a philosophy that you got to crush that, and we thought it was the funniest thing in the world. Mm -hmm. To see someone so who they knows, boss you around, you just laugh in his face. Well, well <laughs> no, you're funny. You, you, you think you have power. <laughs> you play along with it until you don't. You play along with it until you have to say, actually, you know, you're not the one in charge here, but I'm willing to play with you and let you be the one in charge. So when okay. when it's all understood, this is a game, and the thing that is yeah. so funny is the mouse commanding the lion. Oh, that's interesting. It's, they know. They're not in charge, but they're allowed to. They're allowed play the to role. be in charge while we play. Yeah, <laughs> that's funny. Okay, well we've no, no, we have actually come to the end of the <laughs> did, draft. Did you not know that was the last comment? I didn't know it was the last one. <laughs> wow, wow, that's it. Okay. That was the last comment. Well, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for tuning in to yeah. twenty nine episodes of the Draftsman Podcast, season one, and it's done. Woo! And we're going to take a break. We are. For three months. We're going to take a break for three months. But you need to go subscribe to that YouTube channel. Do that. So that when we come back, you will know. You won't miss it because you're subscribed to Proco. And then there's no new episodes on Proco. And then two years from now, you're like, what happened to that podcast? Where did my plan ahead? <laughs> They're on a different channel now. Change your wavelength and then come back. Drafts and podcasts. The link is in the description. Okay. Thank you. Oh, man. See you guys. Woo. Is that it? That's the ending? That's a clean ending. <laughs> I like it that way. Why belabor it?